Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including gathering times and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Rob Basham. Church family, it is a good morning to be together. Those of you in this room, I'm glad that you get to experience that collective worship. To those of you joining on live stream, I hope you can sense a bit of what God is doing here among us in the room. I love at Sam Alliance that we celebrate Pentecost the way we do. It's a big deal around here. We have a prayer path that launches after these services. We've got a call to prayer and fasting, a Pentecost worship service tonight. But I'm going to dive right into scripture. Feel free to take out your Bibles and look at Acts 1 and 2 with me. Or if you want, I also have some art that I'm going to be throwing on the screen. Different artist depiction from different times uh, that kind of just capture some of what we'll be reading about this morning. Morning, but I'll be reading from Acts 1, starting in verse 6, and then jumping down to Acts 2. Acts 1, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, to Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. The next section of scripture describes how the disciples are gathering together and replacing Judas with Matthias, but I'm going to skip down now to chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability." At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. This is the word of the Lord. Church family, the question has been asked by scholars over generations. How in the world did a group of 12 men from Galilee start the movement of all movements? How did they start this movement of Christianity that would transform cultures, that would transform governments, that would transform societies? The question has always been how. And though I've read many books from different people, atheists, Christians, Jewish scholars, trying to explain all the perfect storm of things that came together, the truth is today on Pentecost, we realize there's kind of a simple answer, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
Today on Pentecost, we celebrate the birth of the spirit-empowered church. Growing up in New Jersey, I would often go to little pizzerias, hole-in-the-walls, or Italian delis, and oftentimes in the delis, you would see a $1 or a $5 bill taped on the wall behind the cash register. Sometimes it would actually be framed, but it was always a picture of the first time that they received finances for the business that they were launching. It was their first fruits. It was their first earnings, and it was there as a reminder that they started humbly, but the restaurant was now succeeding. This is what Pentecost is for us, church. For us, Pentecost is a reminder of where it all started and how it all started. You see, the church was born. As we often sing, the spirit lit the flame and the church of Christ was born. The first fruits with the falling of Holy Spirit happened. We continue to remember this, but we are simply the continuation of this. We are written into this play. This story is our story. We at Salem Alliance, as a people, continue what was begun so long ago. Over the last weeks and months, as I've stepped into this role as acting lead and now lead pastor, I have moved from a posture of obedience, of a, a posture of stepping into this new calling, but I've moved from that to a posture of excitement. You see, I feel that there's something good happening in this place, and maybe you can sense it here this morning as well, but something is happening. It's a bit unknown in ways. In fact, everything since this pandemic feels like it's a bit unknown, and I'm okay with the unknown because the unknown drives us to prayer. It drives us to hearing the Spirit's voice and being crowd, cloud followers. Today, what I want to do is cast a vision for us as a people as we continue to move on. We've celebrated 100 years, and we march towards another 100, carrying out what was begun on that Pentecost day so long ago. As we do this, I also want to look back, and look back even over the last two years and what has transpired here. Church family, if you look around, you notice that there are not quite as many people in the room as there were pre-pandemic Many in our family continue to live stream, and we're glad that we have that opportunity. They do not yet feel comfortable being in crowds, and we get it, and we're excited, and we long for the day when you are able to join us again in this room because there is something special when we gather together. Others have chosen to find new churches, churches that seem to align better with different opinions or different just things that they value, and so we bless them. Others have simply stepped away and found themselves not missing church all that much. In a way, they're spiritual nomads at this time, and we pray that God would continue to pursue them extravagantly, calling them back to worship corporately and understand intimacy with Jesus in new ways. We've publicly lamented these losses of individuals and families. But one of the things that I find interesting here in Acts 1 and 2 is we go from the story of the ascension and we move to the story of Pentecost, but there is this section in between where the apostles, the 12 apostles have become 11. They've experienced a loss because the kingdom of God's advance is often messy. And I appreciate that Luke includes this story right here in the birth of the church. He doesn't attempt to tidy things up. I think there's a key reminder for us here. They acknowledge it. 
They recognize the loss in community. They lament, and the mission moves forward. With that acknowledgement, with that reality as a baseline for us, church, the mission moves forward. It moves forward in church. I'm excited. I'm excited because you're in this room. I'm excited because when I walk around between services, I sense a hunger among God's people. There's a hunger among the remnant, a hunger among the people here, a hunger to learn and understand and cultivate a listening ear to him, a hunger to bring blessing and peace to our city, a hunger to influence people with the truth of who Jesus is. And I'm excited. I'm excited because every week we're seeing people pound ribbons and 11 people getting baptized this week. I'm excited because we've been commissioning people to go to the nations. I'm excited because every week we're looking more and more like the neighborhood that we call home, reflecting the growing economic, generational, and ethnic diversity that is the city of Salem. I'm excited because we are growing as a church family. Yeah, it's easier to find a parking spot at 930. But believe it or not, 179 new families have visited Salem Alliance in the last four months alone. And that's just those that have actually checked in. And many of them have returned. And some of you are in the room. And this message is as much for you as those that have been attending here for decades. We're a growing group. I'm excited because we're a church that preaches the gospel, countering the default mode that somehow we can earn our salvation, that somehow we don't live from favor, but somehow we live for God's favor. No, we get to live from his favor. I'm excited because we are a church that's calling one another to repentance. It might not always be fun, but it's so good because our heavenly father is good. He's not angry. He's compassionate, and he sends his spirit to bring conviction in a gentle way, not, con not with condemnation. We're learning to confess our sins and bring things into the light, and as we do that, we become unattractive to the enemy. As we do that, we find new levels of freedom in our lives, and I am seeing people get free every week. Men, you are doing this so well at our prayer breakfasts and the stories that are coming out of that last men's retreat. Men, continue to be courageous. Continue to bring things into the light. Men, a special invitation to you to come back tonight to the Pentecost worship because we will be hearing testimony after testimony of what God is doing in the lives of many of the men among us. But it's not just the men. It's the young, it's the old, it's the men, it's the women. I'm excited because we are a church that's not defined by our building, by how many people attend or our budget numbers. I'm excited because we are a group of cloud followers on mission. We're praying. I'm excited. But I'll stop with that and let me get back to the text here because I could keep going. You see, here in Acts 1 and 2, I see three characteristics of a church that was born at Pentecost, which we are called to be like. Three characteristics that I want to share with you this morning that have defined us in the past and need to define us as we move forward. The first is this, spirit-empowered worship in prayer. Throughout these first chapters of Acts, we see this group, initially 120, but the Lord keeps adding to their number, and they continue to gather in prayer and worship. It is in that prayer and worship that we get our operating instructions. It's in that prayer and worship that we behold the king of kings. It is in that prayer and worship that we get a taste of heaven. And so, church, we continue to grow in our corporate worship and prayer. 
whether it be our elders that gather every Monday morning at 6.30, our staff praying together multiple times a week with Sister Adela, whether it be the sunrise prayer declaring truce over our city or the sunset prayer praying for the nations. It's the Barnabas groups praying together. It's people coming in and praying through the sanctuary every week. It's our community of prophets gathering monthly and processing in community what God is speaking to them. It's our young adults gathering in here for young adult worship nights and bringing freedom and just filling this place with praise. It's our sheepfold and becomers life groups interceding for our international workers. As Anya shared from this stage two weeks ago, we are learning to pray like our life depends on it. Led by our global neighbors, and it is a good thing. We are slowly becoming characterized as that praying church in new and fresh ways. It seems like we've been doing it forever, but there is a renewal that is being realized here at Salem Alliance. And it's a fire that we want to flame. Spirit-empowered prayer and worship. The second characteristic I see here is spirit-empowered unity. Spirit-empowered unity. You see, right after the ascension, and again, days later here in Acts 2-1, the Spirit comes to that gather, those gathered in community. And the Spirit comes to unite, not to divide. You see, notice that the Spirit falls and there's incredible unity. This isn't just a, a normal group of people. The group that makes up the early church are from different linguistical backgrounds. They are from different cultures. They have differing worldviews, and yet they all gather together. And as you continue to read on, they share everything. They have everything in common. The spirit falls, and there's a unity. There's a unity that is unexplainable. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. They are under a new, clear allegiance. For us here at Sam Alliance, like prayer, this is nothing new. In our celebration of 100 years, we heard the story of Pastor Don Bubna, who at a critical point in the church's history went to a board in front of all his leaders and wrote really big the words love and unity. But church, I'm calling us back to this because I don't know if you've noticed, but we have a divided culture. People are at each other's throats. Polarization is at an all-time high. Social media is feeding into this, and it is not a good thing, but we, church, need to fight hard and example unity. And I'm not just here to ask the Duck fans to finally get along with the Beaver fans. This is so much deeper than that, church. We think the lines of Democrat, Republican, and Libertarian are dividing? Do we think that mass policies create enmity? Do we understand what Jesus did when he chose his initial 12 apostles? Have you really thought about it? He knew that unity would be something that the church would have to fight for forever. It's why he chose a tax collector in Matthew, a man who made his living betraying and taking advantage of his Jewish brothers and sisters. He put that person in his inner circle. And you know who else he put in his inner circle? Simon the Zealot, who was training with weapons to actually violently go after people like Matthew. And he puts them together in his inner circle. Let me just assure you, if Matthew and Simon were not following Jesus together and saw each other on the street, there would be a throwdown. And my money is on Simon. <laughs> Do you see what he did? Spirit-empowered unity from the get-go. 
And so, friends, can we be okay coming together under the banner of his love, recognizing our differences, debating in healthy ways, maintaining unity, listening to one another, recognizing each other's hearts, fears, passions, even underlying anxieties that are manifesting themselves in some pretty nasty ways. The theologian Don Carson describes the church as a group with a a common allegiance, all loved by Jesus Christ, and therefore they commit to do what he commands, which is to love one another. But I love his conclusion. He simply says, the church is a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. A band of natural enemies who love Jesus, Jesus together. Tim Keller recently wrote this in an article. I'll put it on the screen. One of the features of our time is that churches are dividing over politics because people are finding themselves far more passionate and moved by political and social issues than they are by truths of our faith, and especially the centrality of the gospel of Christ. They become most exercised and emotional, not in worship, but over flashpoint political and cultural issues. That is a sign of a spiritual vacuum in Christians' lives. In emptiness. As Calvin Walker would say, ouch. Church, when I read this article, I had to stop. I had to invite personally Holy Spirit as convictor to show me some times where this is true in my own life. And friends, I think the question is there for you as well. Which causes a greater rise in emotion within you? A post that you disagree with? or the opening of the word of God in corporate worship. With spirit empowerment, we will fight for unity. We will listen. We will be patient with one another. We will continue to unite around our orthodoxy, our centrality of Jesus, our theology, our biblical Protestant time-tested theology, which is not changing. This is why we've been reading the Apostles' Creed together. This is why we've been speaking out the Lord's Prayer in community. This is why we're memorizing Acts 1-8, the Great Commission. And we will continue to unite around these things, around the confessions of our faith. Because our allegiance to Jesus should be able to bring us together, though we might not see eye to eye on everything. In peace, together, as we break bread and take the cup together. Church, this is our invitation. This is our call to humility to fight for unity, not on our own, but with Spirit's power as we engage our culture in the coming days. As we engage the culture, will we do so not looking to win arguments, demand rights and respect, but rather will we engage the culture with courage, with mercy, being winsome, walking with moral clarity and showing and demonstrating to our city rather than with fear and a Christ against our culture mentality. We believe that the kingdom of God is a kingdom that is not of this world, but for this world. It places the other first. It calls us to love one another, luckily not on our own power, but with spirit empowerment. Spirit-empowered worship and prayer. Spirit-empowered unity. And the final characteristic I see here in Acts 1 and 2 is spirit-empowered authority. Spirit-empowered authority. In Acts 1, verse 6, it's interesting. The apostles, it says they keep asking Jesus the same question, the same nagging question. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Has the time come? 
His inner circle is still asking a militaristic, will we overthrow the government political question? Still, they are not getting it. And still, Jesus is gracious with them. Jesus, again, makes clear that the kingdom is a kingdom of power, not of politics. Andy Stanley has this quote that I love. The tools and tactics of the kingdoms of this world will never bring about the revival of the kingdom of God. Here in Acts 1, 7 and 8, we see clearly that all authority is God's. And yet somehow in his divine plan, he decides to delegate that authority to you and me. He authorizes us, the authority, he authorizes us to carry out his purposes in this world, in our city. We simply continue to do what he has called us to do. The Spirit is given to us so that God's work might be done through us. The invitation for us to continue to remember on this Pentecost that we are part of this unfolding story. We are part of the continuation in this adventure, a uniting of heaven and earth as we pray on earth as it is in heaven. Church family, we are authorized We are commissioned to speak out against injustice, to launch programs to serve our city and bless those in need. We are authorized to courageously speak moral clarity into situations around us with winsomeness. We are authorized to collect the harvest. Again, Pentecost happened on the Feast of Weeks, where the first sheaf of wheat is taken and celebrated as the first fruits, just representing the coming harvest. In church, there's a coming harvest in our city. And so we are authorized to declare what God has done in our lives and declare truth of who he is in our spheres of influence. In power, we speak blessing and peace. In power, we evangelize. In power, we bring healing, emotional, physical, relational, all wrapped up in spiritual healing. We are authorized to deal with the enemy, his lies and his schemes. And when we operate in this level of influence, It's not that we're influential, it's that we're favored. Church, may we walk in our authorization with spirit empowerment and bring peace to our city. The church at Pentecost was characterized with spirit-empowered prayer and worship, spirit-empowered unity, and spirit-empowered authority. And the church today should be characterized the same. I'm excited. Something good is unfolding. It began 2,000 years ago as the wind and the fire entered a room of 120, and it continues today as the wind and the fire, the fresh filling of the Spirit, falls. And so the question is, are you in? Are you in a few ways to engage this week? First, prayer and worship. Consider coming back tonight to our Pentecost worship night at 630. There will be testimonies. There will be times of healing. There will be worship. I encourage you, come back if you can at 630. Another way that I encourage you to engage this week is through our prayer and fasting. Seven days of prayer and fasting. These guys are available in the lobby. They're available online. Would you consider a fast this week? Maybe just giving up lunch every day or, or something else. There's more explained in here, but would you join us in that? Another way that I want to encourage you to engage as we move forward as a church is to get in a group. 
Historically, we have had Bible study and life uh, community groups, and we've had uh, house churches here at Sam Alliance. And in order to simplify, we're just calling all of those life groups from here on out, and they're all still going. And can I encourage you, if you're not in a group, to get in a group? It's where growth happens. It's where prayer and worship take place. It's where we fight for unity by listening to one another. It's where we go on mission together. And so consider getting in a group or better yet, joining one, even if it's just for the summer. There's a life group interest form online or you can talk to someone in the lobby. They would love to get you connected. Something is happening, church, and I'm excited. And as we head back into worship, the offering today is if you want more of Holy Spirit to carry out what he has commissioned us to do, I want you to know it's available for you. And so as we go back into worship, would you take a posture that asks for that fresh wind and that fresh fire in the filling of the Holy Spirit? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are a good father. Jesus, I pray that you would come and meet us even now, that we would continue to experience your grace and truth, but would you fill us to overflowing? We declare that those in this room who have made Jesus Lord of their life, that the Spirit exists in us, has sealed the work that happened at salvation, but there's even more. So Lord, would you pour out your spirits among us so that we can carry out that which you have authorized us to do, and we'll give you all the glory as we see you move, as we see you at work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit SalemAlliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.